Well, I hope that you arrived with a Bible this morning. If you did, I want you to know that over the next five, six Sunday mornings, we're going to be taking a look at some words that were penned by a man named James. I've always found it intriguing. There are a lot of people when I ask them, well, what's your favorite book? They say, James. Well, what's your favorite part? Um, well, I don't know. Well, we're going to dig into a little bit of James. I hope that you find words that will speak to your heart. You know, as I sat down several months ago and started reading once more through James, I was struck by where he begins. Because, you see, James starts out at the very beginning writing about suffering. Now, that, that, that's what we all want to hear about, right? I don't think so. But he starts out writing about suffering, trials. And, and I think that, you know, sometimes we think of, of suffering, we think about the trials, the tribulations we face as just something that happens to us as we're on our way to the Lord. We don't realize it's part of his plan of rescue. This morning, we're going to look together in James chapter 1 at the first four verses. I want you to see something with me because I think this is incredible. I think it's important. I think it's sad that so many people have missed this. I want you to see that the suffering and the trials we endure this lifetime, that is part of God's redemptive plan and work for us. It's not just something we have to endure. It's not just something we have to pass. It's part of what he is doing in our lives to help us be molded and shaped and turned into what he wants us to be. Do you know what God's ultimate goal is for you? That's what I thought. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know God's ultimate goal and plan for you is that today you would enter into a personal relationship with Him. That you would become a child of God. Listen, we are all the creation of God, but only those who know the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, are His children. But it's His desire that His family would be made up of His children. Of every race and every color and every nation and every tribe and every tongue. He wants everybody to come into his family. If you're here this morning and you say, well, I don't know him like that. Good. I'm glad you're here. I want you to meet my Jesus. I want you to know my God, but I want you to understand something too. You're not here by accident. You're here because God wants to speak to you. All right? Now, if you are part of God's family... If you are my brother or sister in Christ this morning in this place as we sit down and we open the word, I still want you to know what God's ultimate purpose is for you. So wait a minute, you just said that. No, no, no. That was for those who don't know him. For those of you who do know him, his ultimate purpose in the remainder of your life is that you would grow in Christ's likeness. That you would become more and more like Jesus every day. You see, God's plan is that Jesus would be the firstborn among many brethren. And that we would be conformed to his image. So that when people look at us, they don't see us. They see Jesus who lives in us. 
But in order for that to happen, that means that God has got to be working in our lives every day through everything, good and bad, wonderful and evil. He's got to be taking all of that and tying that together in a marvelous tapestry that reveals himself. And I want you to know something. That's what James says he's doing. Let's look at it together. James chapter 1, we're going to begin reading at verse 1. Just read three or four verses here. But if you've got your Bible open there, if you can, well, I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning in honor of our Heavenly Fathers. We read together from His holy and inspired Word. The letter begins in this way, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. That's how you open a letter. Now, he gets, eases into it with the easy stuff. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature complete, not lacking anything. Don't you love it when you open a letter and it says, dear so-and-so, be happy when you suffer. Yeah, most of us head for the shredder right then. But God has a reason for saying this to us. And I hope we can discover it together this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray today that you would add your blessing to the reading of your word. As we spend these moments together, that you would open our eyes to your truth. Help us to understand what it means to live as a Christian, to walk in Christ daily. And Father, help us to embrace your truth. To make it a part of our lives. So that you might do in our lives each day that which you desire as you conform us into the image and the likeness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Struggle, suffering, trials, tribulation, it's all part of the human experience. We wish it weren't so. But it is. Many people sitting in this congregation this morning would recognize the name of Johnny Erickson Tata. Many of you have never heard of her. In 1967, she dove into Chesapeake Bay. Having misjudged the depth of the water, in an instant her life was forever changed. With that one dive into the water, she would be a quadriplegic. She would live her life in a wheelchair. Many people got to know her because as a Christian lady, she became a recording artist. She began to sing of her faith. She wrote numerous books telling about her experiences, expounding her faith, how she grew in her relationship to the Lord as she struggled through this new phase of life and this new way of living. She modeled 
and is modeling for us joy in suffering. In one of her books, she wrote this. I hope I can take my wheelchair to heaven with me. I know that's not biblically correct, but if I were able, I would have my wheelchair up in heaven right next to me when God gives me a brand new glorified body. And then I'm going to turn to Jesus and say, Lord, do you see that wheelchair right there? Well, you were right when you said that in this world we would have trouble because that wheelchair has caused me a lot of trouble. But Jesus, the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. So thank you for what you did in my life through that wheelchair. And now, I always say jokingly, you can send that wheelchair to hell if you want. Where does that type of joy come from? There's only one place it can originate, and that's from God. These simple verses that we read together, I just want us to look at them together for a little bit. Because I think the answer to that question, where does this joy come from, becomes more obvious as we look at what the Lord says to us through these words. Words. So I want us to consider this morning three truths to help us find joy in the midst of our trials, whatever they might be. Three truths. You ready? People, I can stay here all day. Are you ready? All right, here we go then. As believers, we will experience trials. That's the first thing you've got to grab a hold of. We will, this is not a maybe, this is not a perhaps, this is a reality. Look at verse 2. If you've got your Bible open, keep it open with me. But look here at verse 2. Look at what James says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials. He didn't say if. If he said if, there would be an option here. Now he says whenever. That means it's coming to you. It's on, maybe you're going through it. Maybe you've been going through it for the last year or two years, three years. Maybe you're living through it right today in this very moment. If it hasn't come to you yet, I promise you this, it's on its way. He says, whenever you face trials of many kinds, not if. You see, what he wanted us to get a hold of is this. Suffering is part of the Christian experience. It's part of our reality. Tragically, there have been many through the years who have proclaimed a lie and even more who have believed it. They think that if you accept Jesus, if you call Jesus as Lord and Savior, everything in your life is going to be hunky-dory. Everything's going to be good. There's not going to be sickness. There's not going to be financial struggle. There aren't going to be relationships that get fractured. Can I just tell you something? All of that is a lie from hell. That's not what my Jesus taught at all. That's not what he said. Jesus called his followers to deny themselves. He called on them to take up their cross. That's an instrument of death and agony and to follow him. He he said that we were to embrace persecution for his name's sake. That's not what I want to hear. But see, there's some good news that goes along with that. In John 16, 33, Jesus said this. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Listen, Jesus did not call us to do 
what he was unwilling to do. You look at his life, he was persecuted. You look at his life, he suffered. You look at his life, he knew what it was to be hungry. He knew what it was to be thirsty. He knew what it was to stand at the graveside of someone he loved and to weep and to mourn and to grieve. He understood everything we go through. But he said, take heart. I've overcome the world. It doesn't conquer me. I have conquered it. And if you're in me, you've conquered it as well. Peter heard those words. Y'all remember Peter, right? Bold, brash Peter. Peter who walked with Jesus, who ate with Jesus, broke bread with Jesus. Went from town to town and village to village. Who saw the miracles that Jesus did. Heard the amazing teachings that Jesus spoke and denied him. And then was restored by Jesus. Down there on the beach. He knew what suffering was about as well. In 1 Peter 4.12, here's what Peter said. He, he said, dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. As though something strange were happening to you. No. Listen, you hear those words? Do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening. What Peter's saying is, don't be surprised. This is what's supposed to happen. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to walk in his way, you're going to have to understand the world is not going to be in your corner. There are going to be people who are going to attack you verbally. There may be some folks who are going to attack you physically. You've got to be aware that the world is not going to like the way of Jesus. Remember something. Peter died on a cross. Upside down. But then there's Paul. Paul Paul understood what suffering was too. Man wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but he understands what suffering is. I mean, study his life in the book of Acts and see how it went for him. He was beaten. He was stoned and left for dead. He was shipwrecked shipwrecked and snake-bitten. He was imprisoned. He was driven out of town after town after town, moved from place to place in order to try to escape the pressure of the persecution. But he writes in Romans 8, 17, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings. In order that we may also share in his glory. Did you get that? If indeed we share in his sufferings. In order that we may also share in his glory. You want the glory. You got to experience the hardship. You want the glory. You got to walk like he walked. You want the glory. You're going to have to experience what he experienced. So man, this is lots of great news preacher. Not really, but I'm just going to tell you. I want you to understand, as believers, we will experience trials. And understanding that truth helps us prepare to endure. We have to enter and pass through these experiences, whatever they are. They are trials. They are sufferings. They are persecution. Whatever word you might want to use or your translation of the Bible might use, here's what's happening. God is telling us, when you're going through this, I'm extending grace to you. Say, well, how can that be? Because there's not anything you're going to go through that he doesn't know is going to happen. God is not surprised by anything that happens on this world. 
He sees it all. He knows it all. He is prepared for it all, and he is prepared to walk through it with us. He does not leave us alone. He does not abandon us. So whenever we're going through this suffering or or whatever trial it might be, we need to be reminded, this is God's plan for our lives. Trust him. Trust him. When you're enduring through that hardship, my friend, listen to me. You're reminded, be reminded of these things. God knows you're going to suffer. Be reminded that God knows your suffering, but he also knows the purpose that he intends for it to accomplish in our lives. And be aware of this. He has never, he has not today, and he never will leave you alone. His word says it. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not abandon you. Jesus told his followers, I'm with you always, even to the very end of this age. My friends, as believers, we will experience trials, but those trials are not to destroy us. We need to understand that as believers, man, I don't know where I just went, but I got to a whole different world there. That thing's just going round and round. There we go. Oh. Matt, you're going to have to help me, brother. Can you do that for me? As believers, we'll grow through our trials. It's not to destroy us. It's to grow us. It's to help us become something more than we have ever been before. Look at verses 3 and 4. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Uh, Verse 2, we find James talking about this this trial, these trials. In in verse 3, he puffs out this word, testing. Now, this isn't testing like you're going to go to school and get a written test. But this is testing like something being passed through the furnace. It's an action that confirms or proves the worth or value of something. God wants to prove your value. He wants to test and prove the worth of who you are in Him. And when you pass through that furnace and you come out the other side, He has prepared you to persevere through whatever the world might throw at you. You see... The trials we endure in this life are intended to help us be conformed to Christ's likeness. Now I want you to think about what that means. Because you see, there are a lot of folks who have a final goal. Their final goal is simply to make it to the end. They just want to survive from where they are and what they're going through until the end of this life. If I can just endure to the finish. I want you to hear me this morning, my friends. Endurance is not the final goal. We are called upon to grow, to mature, 
to become more like Jesus, to reach completion in Christ's likeness. It's not going to happen in this life, but if we're moving toward it, it's a small jump when we translate from this life into the next. So, yeah, but you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't, but God does. God does. He, he knows perfectly well. And the Apostle Paul, there we go again. Man, you got to help me. In Romans 8, 28, you know these words. We, we use them so often. But he says we know that in all things, God works for the good. Not for the bad. Not to destroy you. He works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And what that means is God has taken all the good things that are happening in your life. And he's taken all the bad things that are happening in your life. And he's weaving it all together to accomplish the perfect thing in your life. See, that's what the trials are all about. It's not about us. It's about him and what he's doing in our lives and through our lives. This is what James is saying. Same thing here. It's working perseverance. He's helping you grow up. This perseverance, you exercise this perseverance that comes through these testings and these trials. You're moving toward maturity. You're moving toward completion. You're going to find yourself at that place where you are lacking nothing. Let me tell you one more thing. I told you there were three truths. Let's get to the last one, shall we? Number one, as believers, we'll experience trials. Number two, as believers, we'll grow through our trials. Number three, as believers, we will learn to overcome through our trials. It is a challenging process. I never said it was easy. God didn't say it was going to be easy. Jesus didn't say it was going to be easy. It's not easy. But the fact that perseverance must finish its work helps us to see and recognize some very, very important truths. First, this learning process reminds us that God will finish his work. He is going to do what he set out to do. And what God has begun, he will complete. Secondly, we are called to be faithful. Listen, God is faithful. Don't ever doubt that for a minute. God is faithful, but he calls us to be faithful as well. And he calls us to be faithful because he knows that if we are faithful, as he moves us through this process, we will persevere for our good and for his glory. Too often those of us who are called Christians forget. We, we lose sight of the truth, that our response to suffering, how we handle it, it matters. We've got to let it run its course. We've got to let him do in our lives that which he is doing because he doesn't want us to say the same. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to become something more. He wants us to become like Jesus himself. And the way that we respond when we go through the trials, the way we respond when we suffer, the way that we respond whenever we are hurting and broken, it reveals the condition of our heart. Let me show you what I mean. If you've got your Bible open, we didn't read these verses early, but I'm going to show them to you anyway. The verses that follow immediately after this, James chapter 1. Starting verse 5, going down through verse 8. Look at what James writes here. 
starting verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. You see, what James is saying is, look, I've been talking to you about the trials, the suffering, the persecution, the difficulties you're going to go through, the hurts you're going to experience. But if your heart is focused on God, oriented toward understanding what God is doing in your life, you're going to trust Him. You're going to serve Him, knowing that in the midst of it all, He is there with you. But now those who are double-minded, those who doubt and are living in doubt instead of by faith, no. They're going to talk to God about it and say, God, if you can possibly summon the power, if you can find just, just, just a little shred of strength, you might think about doing something in this situation. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Double-minded. Unstable. That reminds you of something, my friends. I want you to listen to me. I'm almost done. That ought to perk everybody up. I want you to listen to me. No matter what you're going through, no matter what you carried in here, no matter what you're going to carry out of here, I want you to hear me. Our God is a mighty God. He is the God who spoke and everything came into existence. He is the God who knew you before the first day of creation. He knew when you would be born. He knew the number of days that you would have. And he knows when you will pass from this life into eternity. He is the God who can speak and make anything happen. He is the God who is at work in our lives day in and day out. He does not sleep. He does not slumber. When you think he has forgotten you in the darkness, understand the light is shining in glory and God is looking down on you. Friends, don't be double-minded. Don't be consumed by your doubt. Let your faith take hold and let God do in your life what he is trying to do in growing you and developing you and making you to be more and more like Jesus. Everyone, everyone is going to face times of suffering in this life. Believers, you're going to go through it. Those of you who don't know Jesus, you're going to go through it too. Everyone is going to experience. But rest assured of this, my friends. None of us will ever suffer or bear the weight of suffering the way that Jesus did. He experienced suffering fully and completely in every way so that he could understand our experience and that ultimately he could redeem our suffering and us through it. Through Christ, our suffering can actually become a means to joy. Let me ask you a question this morning. How do you respond to suffering? If you haven't had any yet, how will you respond to suffering? The condition of your heart will determine it. Do you trust in God's goodness? Is your faith strong? Do you believe that he's watching over? Do you think he's walking with you? Do you think that he is the one who gives you strength day to day through everything you experience, adequate to your need, sufficient unto your moment of trial? 
If you're enduring struggles and suffering and trials right now, I want you to know you can trust him. God's inviting you today to lean into him. If you're not going through anything right now, you say, man, I don't know what this guy's so wound up about. Everything's kind of good in my life right now. This would be a great time to settle the matter of faith in your heart and in your life. Because, friends, I told you earlier, I'll tell you again. If you haven't gone through it, it's coming. It's coming. None of us are going to go through life and not experience it. So don't be surprised. When God calls you to use your faith during a time of struggle, to bring glory and honor to his name. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you trust him? Do you call him Savior? Do you call him Master? Do you call him Lord? Man, if you do, you're ready. Tighten up your belt and get, get ready to hold on when it comes. Hold on to him tight. If you don't know him. Today he's here. He's here because he's looking for you. He's here because he's calling your name. He's here. And he wants to meet you. Would you meet him this morning? Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment we're going to stand together. We're going to sing a song of commitment, of invitation. I, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the, to the voice of God and the word of God. If you're here and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, rejoice in that. But I want to encourage you this morning. Ask Him to build your faith, to strengthen your faith, to make you more like Jesus today than you were yesterday. And more like Jesus every day that you live, so long as you live on this earth. If you're here and you don't know Him, let me just tell you something real quick. God loves you. He loves you and He's got a plan for your life. But you'll never understand that plan. You'll never experience that plan until you come to a place where you're willing to agree with God. Say, what do you mean agree with God? God says that we're all sinners and the wages of sin is death. But he also tells us this, that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Have you experienced that gift? Have you received it? If you haven't, today you can. Would you confess your sin to him? None of us like to admit we're sinners. We don't like to admit we do bad stuff. But God already knows we're sinners. He knows us. And when we confess our sin and repent from that sin and turn away from it and turn to Him, well, He'll make us into a new creation. And my friend, then you cease being part of His creation and you become part of His family. Do you need that this morning? I'm going to pray. After I pray, we're going to stand. We're going to sing. If you need to come, if you want to know more about being a child of God, I want to invite you. Come take me by hand. I will not embarrass you, put you on the spot, but I want to share with you from God's Word how you can become a child of the King. I want to, I want to help you find your way into the kingdom if God is calling you. Brothers and sisters, have you been stumbling a little bit underneath the burden? Do you need to ask the master, to strengthen your faith today. He'll do it. Call out to him. Maybe there's someone seated around you. You, you. Maybe you were talking before the service. Maybe they're struggling. Maybe you need to pray for them. 
Maybe you need to pray with them. I, I don't know. All I'm asking you during this time is hear the voice of God. Be obedient. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. Oh, how it challenges us <laughs> to grow in you. To let you make us more like Jesus every day. Father, it's a struggle. It's a struggle because we want to hold on to our lives. We want to hold on to this piece or that part. And you're saying, surrender it. Surrender it all. But we want to hold on. And so, Father, we, we struggle along. Today, today, it's time for the struggle to stop. It's time for us to surrender to you. If there's someone here who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, if your spirit right now is calling out to them, drawing them, I, I pray that they would hear your voice, that they would run to you. In confession, in repentance, to experience new life. And Father, for my brothers and sisters in this place, help each one of us to bow before you today and say, Father, make me more like Jesus than I've ever been before. For those who are hurting and struggling, and Father, give them peace, comfort. And I pray that today you would ease their burdens. Father, help us in these moments to hear your voice and to obediently submit to your call. And whatever you desire to do, we're going to give you the praise. We're going to give you the glory because it's all yours anyway. Do in our lives what will honor you, Father. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.